Welcome to Big Rich Brock and Friends. Big Rich brings his clean comedy and storytelling to the weekly podcast that is laugh out loud and funny with a side of inspiration. Here is your host, Big Rich Brock. Hi, welcome to Big Rich and Friends. I am Big Rich Brock, and I appreciate you listening to my podcast this week. I got some fun things we're going to talk about. If you're a first-timer, I am a former pastor, now comedian. Uh, Now, my parents would have said I was a comedian when I came out of the womb, and I've always enjoyed uh, entertaining people and telling stories, and you'll learn a lot about me over the next few minutes and as you tune in to the podcast, but I call it Big Rich and Friends for two reasons. Number one, uh, I'm looking to connect with the folks that are listening to me, and people that come to my shows, I call it Big Rich and Friends, and other times I'll have special guests, and I'll have people be a part of the podcast with me, but today, friend, it's me and you, so let's get on it. I want to talk to you about something that All of us have, just about all of us, have went through. There might be one or two of you going through it right now, but it was something called high school. Come on, somebody. I graduated high school in the 1900s. That'd be 1986. Gordon Lee High School in Chickamauga, Georgia. Chickamauga, Georgia is 15 minutes from Chattanooga, Tennessee, about 90 miles from Atlanta, Georgia. Small town, USA, wonderful people, great place to raise a family, and I enjoyed growing up there. But when I got into high school, I learned something when puberty hit. I learned that girls were more interested in my comedy than they were my academic grades. Now, as I got older, they would probably be more interested if I had good academic grades than I did my comedy. But I used comedy, and I enjoyed making people laugh. I was wittiest in my high school senior class. That was a landslide. That was a landslide vote, I'm sure. But I had fun going to school. People, you know, would you go back? Now, Big Rich ain't going back to high school. I, I had enough. I, I Time served. But if I did go back, I would do things a little bit different. I'd focus more on the education part uh, instead of the, uh, <laughs> the, the entertainment and the comedy part. But growing up in a small town back in those days, you know, it's funny. I remember we didn't have a graduation or promotion at every grade like we do today. You know, my, I have three sons, and all three of them, uh, I have a college graduate, I have a college student, and I have a high school junior about to be a senior. Come on, somebody. Get him on out the house and then let the good times roll. But all three of those guys, they had kindergarten graduation, first grade, second grade, third grade. It was something every year. Mom, dad, grandkids, grandparents, whoever would come out to that stuff. And uh, everybody get a participation ribbon, get stars on their flyer that they're getting or their, uh, you know, their certificate. And then you'd watch kids to see who had the most stars on there from different subjects and different things that they did. And nothing wrong with that. I'm all for uh, competition. But it's funny. We didn't have but a graduation at seventh grade because we didn't have a middle school. You went first through seventh. Then you stepped into eighth grade, which was with the high school in this small town. Now, Laura Ingalls Wilder wasn't the teacher. I'm not that old, but it felt like it on occasion. And when we had seventh grade graduation, 
I remember we had it at the cafeteria and you had to set up and you had to get the tables and the chairs and everything straight. And that's a lot of work because everybody's mom and daddy and grandparents were going to come. And back then, the people that had to set it up were the kids that failed seventh grade. They had to help the school custodian set the thing up because the principal said that'll teach you to not pass. Man, if you did that today, they'd, they'd haul him into jail. CNN would televise that principal. There'd be people starting GoFundMe pages for those kids for their pain and suffering. But back then, that's what you did. And guess what? None of those folks didn't pass the next year. They were, they were in it to win it, and they got through it. But I hit eighth grade, and then I found out I was more interested in girls, comedy, and hanging out with my buddies. So my grades didn't do that wonderful. And you know you have a class ranking when you're a senior. They, they take your four years, take all of your grades, get your GPA, and they rank you from number one, of course, valedictorian, all the way down. And my senior class had 106 people in it. That's it. And I remember when I found out what my ranking was. The way I found out was my father told me because my father delivered the mail to the high school. He was a letter carrier, a postman. I'm the son of a postman. And he delivered the mail and he walked in. And back then they would put the list on the front door of the school for everybody to see. They showed you your accomplishments and they also showed you who was down there at the bottom. It was a wide open scenario. So here come my dad, Lynn Brock, delivering the mail at the high school, sees that list, and he thinks, let me check and see what my only begotten son's ranked over here. Now, my father was a faith man. He started on the first page with a valedictorian. Now, he knew better, but I guess he had a little hope in him. He saw what wasn't there. He went down the list. Then he flipped the page. Then he flipped another page and he got down to page four, about halfway down. And he saw his son's name, Richmond, Derek Brock, number 72, 72 out of 106. So that night at dinner, because we ate dinner at the house as a family and I'm an only child. So it was me, my mom and dad. And here will be the conversations. Most of the time. How was your day? Good. How about you? Good. And then my mom would talk for 30 minutes while we ate because that's the way us guys are wired sometimes. But that night after my dad said, Grace, he said, Sue, guess what your boy is ranked over there at the high school academically. Now, my mother knew immediately it wasn't good. Number one, because they were asking about me. <laughs> and number two, my father said, your boy, if it'd been something good, he'd said our son. Or my boy, but he said, your boy. And she said, Lynn, I don't know. What is it? He said, brace yourself. 72. Now, my mama was Joel Osteen before there was a Joel Osteen. She was smiling, happy, encouraging, always seeing the glass overflowing, not half full, overflowing, positive galore. She looked at my father and says, well, out of how many? My dad said 106. Man, they got as quiet as you are right now. So what did I do? Well, I said the first thing that popped in my head. I said, hey, it ain't that bad. It's about half. My dad said, son, that's why you're 72 right there. 
because 72 is not even close to half of 106. Then I did what every teenager in America does. I deflected on somebody else. And since I had no siblings, I went with my friends. I said, well, my best friends are 104 and 105. My father said, that's your other problem. You hang around idiots too. And about that time, I heard Van Halen, Panama, blasting in our driveway. Guess who it was? 104 and 105, coming to pick up the brains of the Operation 72. We were headed to Chattanooga, Tennessee, Brainerd Road, to do a little study of the opposite sex. And my father said, tell those boys to come in the house. Now, my dad delivered the mail of 104 and 105 all their life. He coached them in Little League. He had them over at our house on many occasions. The last thing he wanted to do on a Monday night at dinner was talk to those two knuckleheads, but he said, tell those boys to come in. My dad went to the porch, and one of them hollered out. He was driving. He was driving his 1984 red, cherry red vet. Before you get excited, it was a Chevette. Now, if you're younger, you got to Google it. But he did have Corvette stickers on it and logos that he had bought at the Auto Zone. And he painted some flames on the side of it to impress the ladies. He said, Mr. Brock, if I turn the car off, I'm afraid it won't start back. And if I pull into your driveway, it's going to leak oil all over the place. My dad said, 104 or 105, you just stay in the car. He knew which one was the bigger idiot just from that conversation. He said, 104, come up here to the porch. I want to talk to you. My friend said, what's 104? I said, you about to find out. You are. And my dad said, I'm not going to say his name because he might be listening. But I will say this, 104, 35 years later is doing great. He's got a great job, got a great wife, family, healthy children. Life's good for him. Now, we ain't seen 105 since 1987. We don't even know where he's at. But 104 sat there with my dad, and my dad turned into, uh, if you remember Twisted Sister, that video, I want to rock. What do you want to do with your life? That's who my father became, but he didn't know that video. He looked at 104, and he said, what are you going to do with your life? Well, Mr. Brock, I, I'm going to join the military. My dad said, which one? He said, the Navy. And my father replied, no, which country? He said, we're better off having 104 and 105 on the other side than we are fighting for the freedoms of the U.S. of A. And the last thing we need is number 72 leading the way. My dad said, I'm going to become your life coach. And that was long before there was such a term. And I said, well, I want to go to college because everybody in my class, almost everybody, went to college, which didn't happen as much back then. And my dream school was the University of Georgia. Man, that's where I wanted to go. But I got news for you. When you're number 72 out of 106, that ain't in your plan. So I had to go to remedial UGA or as you might know it, is West Georgia College. Now, in 1986, I'd done my homework. West Georgia College was a top 10 school 
according to Playboy magazine for partying. So that's where I wanted to go. And I was there for two quarters. And in that time, I did my very best to get them into the top five. But they sent a letter home and guess who got it? You know it, my dad, the mailman. And it said, your son is not welcome back here because his grades are so low. And I left there and I went to Remedial West Georgia College. Or you might have heard of it, Dalton Junior College back in the day. And I changed my major to chasing local girls and playing par three golf down there at High Point Augusta outside of Chickamauga. And I just sputtered along. It took me two, it took me five years to get a two-year degree. I was headed nowhere. And my father became my life coach. And here's what he said. He said, we are going to church on Sunday. I said, well, you and mom have a good time. He said, no, we're going. We're going because you need to go. I said, oh, I'm good. And my father says, you've got two choices. You can go to church with us Sunday, or we'll take you over to the Greenleaf Hospital. Now, back in the day in the North Georgia area, Greenleaf was your drug and alcohol rehab hospital. And when you have two parents that have good insurance through the government, they'll keep you there for 30 days and 30 nights. The First Baptist people in Chickamauga kept you there 48 minutes. So I picked the church, and we went. And I got out of church that day, and my father says, be back at the house at 5.30. You're going back. I'm like, the same day? He goes, yeah. I said, oh, what time are we leaving? He goes, we'll drop you off. I'm like, you're not going? He goes, no, we're good. But you need to go. And I did that for like 30 days, four or five weeks in a row. I did that. But something happened to me and something clicked in my heart. And I I became a Christian. I became a believer. I got called into ministry. And by the age of 21 and a half, I was in ministry already and ended up being a pastor for 25 plus years. So, you know, I guess it worked. I guess it took. And my father told me later in life, he said, you know, there was nothing that made us prouder than when you decided you wanted to be in the ministry or you felt called into the ministry and was giving back to help other people. Now, there's a lot of professions in this world where we can give back and help other people. Just about anything you do, if you choose to, you can give back and you can help people. And I enjoyed being a youth minister and a associate pastor and then a church planner and a, a lead pastor, all the different terms you'd have over 25 plus years. I worked in a variety of churches and I enjoyed my time. And people ask me all the time, they say, oh, Big Rich, why are you not in the ministry anymore? Well, you know, I went through a divorce I didn't see coming. And at the same time, my life became a country song, like a Merle Haggard or a Don Williams country. I'm not talking Florida Georgia line, that stuff. I'm talking about real country music where you had some hardship and you had some struggle. I went through a divorce after 28 years. I had to move out of my dream home. My children, who I saw daily, I now saw um, on Wednesday and the weekends and at their ball games and their activities. Uh, My income went down. And then my sweet mom that I talked about earlier, 
uh, went under hospice care at that same time. And me and my father, I helped him. I didn't do much because my father was a proud man and he wanted to take care of his wife. But that became my world for a little bit. And I had nothing to give. I didn't want to be a pastor any longer. I didn't have anything to give anybody. So I started my own little business and I started doing home inspections and I enjoyed doing that. But comedy took birth in me again. It, it reignited in me again uh, after COVID or while COVID was going on. And I began to study comedy like I used to study the scriptures and would study for sermon prep. And I began to look at my life and begin to write comedy and enjoy doing those kind of things. And I, I bet you I studied more that year than I studied my whole high school career. And it was about something I enjoyed. And I put together my first set. I put together my first show. And then I went out, much like I did planning churches and witnessing to people, I went out to places and asked if they ever thought about having comedy. Breweries, wineries, vineyards, uh, restaurants. And I found people said, you know, we've thought about it, but never had it. I said, well, tell me your slowest night. And if you'll give it to me, I'll turn it into something. And they said, well, okay, we'll give it a shot. I said, are you willing to pay me? And every one of them said, hell no to the no, no, no. They weren't going to pay. That, that wasn't the plan. I said, well, can I charge tickets and take the ticket money for me? And then you guys get the food and drink money. And they said, sure. First show I did, I called in every favor I had. I advertised on my little Facebook page and I had 47 people show up at $10 a piece. And that night I decided I was officially a professional comedian and I produced another show. And then I produced another 77 shows later. I'm here today and all that's taken place over about the last 13 months. And I am so excited. I'm getting to make my national debut on dry bar comedy on May the 5th, right there in good old Provo, Utah. If you're not familiar with dry bar, it is the nation's largest clean comedy network that you're going to find. That app reaches over 4 billion views. That's billion with the B, friend. And they have season 12 going on as we speak. They picked 24 comedians from across the world, and they picked old Big Rich right out of Georgia, old Southern boy, to come up there and do what he do. What he do. And I'm looking so forward to it. We're going to have a great time. I'm not sure when we'll release it yet, but I do know if you're in the Provo area or you've got family there or friends, let them know Big Rich is coming to town on Friday, May 5th. I'm doing two shows. They've got a great lineup. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I, I'm telling you, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm about to jump out of my skin. I'm so ready to go up there and be a part of that. This is what I dreamed for. This was on my vision board in my five-year plan, and it's happened my first year. So I'm really looking forward to it. Doing a podcast was in my five-year plan, and it's happened my first year. Uh, doing 70-something shows already. Things are happening. I'm having fun with it, and I want to thank you for being a part. And, man, we're going to have fun. You can catch me at a show in the Chattanooga, Atlanta uh, area. I'm doing shows. I'm starting to go throughout the southeast some. If you want to see me in your neck of the woods, 
reach out to me. You can find me on Facebook or Instagram at Big Rich Brock Comedy. My website's the same thing, BigRichBrock.com or BigRichBrockComedy.com. And you can find me there. You can see the show schedule and all the things that are happening. But I'm telling you, friend, I hope you have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy life, friends. This is Big Rich. See you next week. You've been listening to another episode of Big Rich Brock and Friends. For more information and past shows, go to our website, bigrichbrockcomedy.com. Thank you for listening.